What is up, podcast fam? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast, where I sit down with some of the brightest minds in health and wellness and really extract knowledge, wisdom, so that you can implement these different practices and protocols into your life. And I really believe that life is an energy exchange. We're constantly giving, we're constantly receiving. And the more that we can create synchronicity with our energy exchanges, the more our lives will be fulfilled with joy, with abundance, with happiness. And especially with what's going on in the world right now, it's so important that we think outside the box and find ways to really connect with people virtually. And I really encourage you to think about your friends, your family, and see what you can do to exchange energy with those people. I'm so excited for us to be on this journey together. I genuinely appreciate you so much. And let's get in to today's show. is up everybody welcome back to the energy exchange podcast and i am so pumped for today's show i got a very special guest you you guys already know i only bring in the cream of the crop and today i have mark metry and mark is the best-selling author of screw being shot Learn how to manage social anxiety and be yourself in front of anyone. And Mark is also the host of the award-winning Humans 2.0 podcast, exploring mental health in today's modern context, and is on Amazon Prime's The Social Movement documentary series later this summer. Mark, welcome to the show, brother. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. And, and you know, I, I think and I, I feel about energy all the time because I think, you know, I think it's one thing to say to somebody, but when you're in the presence of someone else, you can just like immediately get that you guys are speaking like the the same language. You're in the same vibe, whatever. I don't necessarily know how to like articulate that with language, but you can easily kind of tell, you know, so I appreciate the name of your podcast. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, dude. And we just changed it a week ago. It used to be the stand up to sitting podcast. And, uh, after a hundred shows, we did a little rebrand, which I felt was which what which I felt was necessary. So, dude, I want to dive right in. Tell me a little bit about this social movement that's coming out this summer. What's that all about? Yeah. So basically, I'm sure you've heard of like Shark Tank, for example, the show. So it's basically like the the social conscious entrepreneur version of Shark Tank, where instead of just trying to launch like random companies or startups to just make profit or sell whatever little gizmo or, or gidget. What it's really about is it's taking the world's biggest problems in the world and trying to find a sustainable entrepreneurial approach with like investors and a business model to solve an issue. And so for example, the one that my team isn't responsible for doing so is to reinvent the education system. And so personally for me, like, you know, I'm a pretty young guy. I'm 22 years old. I feel like I just got out of this education system not too long ago. And I definitely, like everything has its problems, but I just can't wait to bring forth just like a lot of things that I really want 
to, you know, what I wish I learned at a young age. Like I feel like kids and like, for sure, I think math and logic definitely has its place, but I definitely feel like kids should learn how to like, you know, calculate their emotions before they learn how to like calculate these random numbers that they can just do on a calculator and just like learn, teach them like, Hey, here, here's how you meditate. Here, here's how you communicate with other people. Here's how to authentically express yourself without being too shy or repressed or without, you know, being over the top. And so I think that, you know, I, I can't wait to kind of bring those elements forward and like things like, you know, movement, which I know you talk a lot about to like physiology, sleep, health, food, like, I, I honestly feel like if, if we had, if our education system kind of uh, talked about these things early on, you know, now when people grew up would actually, you know, kind of know how to do a lot of these things. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. That's powerful, dude. And I, and I think it's, it's such an interesting shift that's happening right now, right? Where now you have all these parents homeschooling their kids. So, so first of all, I think one thing that's going to happen in that time is there's going to be a, a grown appreciation for teachers, right? But, oh, yeah. but also, like you said, so many of the systems and subjects that we learn in school are based around this system from the industrial age. And it's yeah. really setting us up for this system. Like, hey, you go to college. While you're in college, you get an internship. Then you get your nine to five. And, and it's setting us up for this hamster wheel of a life. And that's what I think is so cool about, you know, what you're doing, what I'm doing is we're carving our own path. So let me ask you, what is, what is, what is one thing? Like if you had to pick one that you would infuse and implement into school systems from an early age. Yeah. So honestly, I don't know what the name of the class would be, but but it would basically be like human psychology one-on-one. And what I mean by that is like, now my understanding of, of reality and existence is that basically, you know, we have sort of a lot of these underlying backend moving pieces, like our thoughts, like our emotions, like our biochemical state, like the different neurotransmitters that are firing, like the different brain chemicals that are being secreted from, um, you know, adrenaline to serotonin to taking a look and understanding that the way that our brains operate for thousands of years is by creating these things called cognitive distortions and biases, where essentially it's like this matrix maze that our mind has been developing for thousands of years that make it move faster in survival situations where you need that speed over to critically think. And so, you know, probably the most common one of this is like the negativity bias, right? Like we hear it all the time of like, you know, if 10 people walk up to you today and nine of them tell you you're awesome, but one person says you suck, your brain is going to focus way more just automatically on that one negative piece of feedback because negative, negative information is more valuable from a survival perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I would teach this class of like psychology one-on-one of telling people like, hey, the average human has anywhere from 25,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. Sometimes we are aware that we're, ha- that we're having these thoughts. A lot of the times we're unaware and we're unconscious of the fact that these thoughts are running. And then you look at, for example, like, a, like an analogy that Will Smith says, and he's like, these thoughts are almost like what a character says in a movie script. 
And so you take a look at like these thoughts that are going on and you could literally predict someone's life, like the movie script that's running it. And so I would just teach this class that's just more about like just the neuroscience behind reality itself. Because I think if you can understand that, the next time that you get a thought, for example, like personally for me, I went through a lot of social anxiety where my brain would always tell me that I suck compared to other people. I should look down and not make eye contact with people because nobody really likes me or I might look different. Um, And if I kind of understood that this was like a back-end psychological process that was happening, maybe you you don't necessarily have to take those things as seriously or maybe you should take them as maybe signs or kind of navigation signals to change your behavior. And so that would probably be the biggest thing that I would talk about. And then all the different ways that like our psychology is in this feedback loop with the environment, right? Like the name of your podcast, like standing, like we know that if you stand up, for example, or if like you're moving, there's more blood flow that goes to your brain, which makes you think way better uh, and, and, and relieve some stress. And so I would teach a class or I would really make sure that's a part of the curriculum because that's just so, so important because I mean, you know, you could talk about math, you could talk about a lot of different subjects that have their own importance in certain contexts, but then there is a subject of like life, this experience that we're experiencing itself. And then when you look at the elements that create that, I think that could just relieve a lot of problems from a lot of people and just kind of understanding, like, I, I wish I knew the fact that like people that bully and abuse other people are doing that because they have probably been abused or bullied before and they are looking for some sort of an outlet to take that anger, to take that energy on. And so in all the different ways that that kind of interacts with like the average person's day, I would teach like a, like, you know, here's like a practical psychology class. And, and because this stuff is so important about just life in general. For sure. And isn't it, isn't it ironic how like the one, the one healthy class like PE, right. Is not even a requiring a requirement in most schools now. And literally like as, as your, as your body moves, your brain grooves, like Jim quick says, and, and literally like you're talking about these neurotransmitters, you know, that we release when we move our body by simply going for a walk and unleashing some creativity. So I think all of what you're saying is so powerful and, and these survival emotions that you touch on, you know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with some of Joe Dispenza's work. Um, and, and he talks a lot about survival emotions. And, and I feel like right now, so many people are stuck in those fear, anxiety, mm-hmm. resentment. And then what that does, what those emotions lead to are actions and habits and ultimately your personality, because if you're always feeling those things and you're acting on those emotions, uh, you're only going to manifest uh, those type of results. So it's yeah. about getting in those elevated emotions like gratitude and joy and abundance. And, and that is so powerful. So I love that you touched on that. And, yeah. and, and I'm curious to know, man, because, because your parents are from Egypt, right? Mm. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm sure they probably immigrated here with very little. So, so I'm just wondering, like, was there a lot of pressure on you as a kid to perform in school? Because, Mm. uh, because like they sacrificed so much to come here and, and it's almost like paying your dues, right? Yeah, man, that's such an interesting question. And before I answer that, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Jim, Jim Quick and I were actually in the middle of uh, setting up a podcast before this whole thing uh, kind of started in like the middle of last month. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've had so many people on my podcast from, uh, you know, uh, neuroscientists to, um, to biohackers to, I, I'm sure a lot of people that you know, people like Aubrey Marcus and whatnot. And um, just a, a lot of it, you just learn so much. Like one thing that I've learned is like, there's literally a part of your brain. I'm blanking on it now, but there's literally a part of your brain that is designed to keep, like keep, uh, keep in mind, like uh, world doomsday information and talk about it as much as possible. Because mm-hmm. like back then before you had, you know, the internet or radio and like this was going on like a pandemic or something, I mean, nobody knew that you had to take certain precautions. And like, that's why a major part of why the death toll was super high. Um, and so like, that's part of like our built-in biology is like a, is like a feature. But, um, you know, to answer your question, yeah. So my parents, they came to this country uh, a couple of years before I was born with 200 bucks in their pocket. They didn't know the English language or anything. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, like, honestly, like my parents never really telling me to work hard, uh, even though I did. And I think the reason why is because my parents were always hustling themselves. And so I think I just learned it, kind of saw it like firsthand through osmosis. And I kind of started to do the same thing. And I definitely remember my parents, um, they definitely, and I think for a lot of immigrants too, there's definitely a, a focus uh, and importance to education. And getting good grades and going to college and whatnot. And um, yeah, I mean, I remember, like, honestly, it wasn't so much my parents, but it was kind of like in the community that, like the immigrant community that I stayed in, it was basically either like that saying, if you ever heard of like, you can be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, pharmacist, or failure. And so um, that was sort of like the generic things. And I just always thought that I was going to be like some kind of a doctor or like some kind of a pharmacist. But, um, but the real thing for me is like when I kind of ran into kind of my earlier struggles, I stopped caring about school. And it's not because I willingly stopped caring about my school, but it was because my psychology was in such array that I was never in the present moment. And so I literally went from someone who was like student of the month in like their school to kind of experiencing uh, a series of traumatic events where I just almost like flunked out of school and I just stopped paying attention to classes. And I I don't really think it was because I wanted to, but it was just because my brain was just trying to figure out a lot. And then also at that same time, um, I also began to get in like the internet a lot. I remember I had YouTube channels. I started making websites when I was like 12, 13, 14, when the iPhone came out, started making apps. Uh, Eventually when I was like 15, um, 15, 16, one of like my mini little ventures that I had started became pretty successful. I started making six figures. And, uh, and when that happened, my parents were like, all right, this kid is clearly, um, a super interesting kid. Like he's definitely not going to follow the traditional career path. And so they kind of just stopped asking me, uh, about my grades and, um, and kind of about that stuff. Cause they clearly realized that I, there was no way in hell I was going to be some kind of a doctor or engineer because I barely paid attention in any of my classes. And I think part of it had to do with like, I, my brain was just never able to be in the present moment. And then also the fact that I kind of knew these things 
like didn't really matter. Like I knew that if I didn't pay attention in, you know, pre-calculus one, that nothing was going to happen to me. So, um, you know, it, it was definitely good. I'm, I'm glad I kind of took the route that I did rather than try to go hard in school. Cause I don't, I would not be here <laughs> if I did that. Yeah, for sure, bro. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I'm curious to know, you know, I know, I know that Minecraft out operation at 15, uh, gave you, gave you, uh, this idea maybe of success and maybe you're getting some mm. external validation. Uh, what were some of the, what were yeah. some of the things that happened after that, where you did achieve financial success at such a young age? I mean, 15, like most kids are yeah. like, you know, hitting puberty, just getting bar mitzvah and, and you're out here stacking paper. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it was it's such a strange time in my life now when I look at it too. And, and like, I just remember, I honestly remember never really thinking about success throughout my life, to be honest with you. And what I've learned is that if you don't think about something and you don't sort of consciously create it on your own, you're just going to pick up whatever sort of society's assumptions or definition of kind of being successful. And so since I didn't have one, and then especially the fact that I kind of came from a position where never really had any kind of money, you know, like mostly grew up on like government housing, food stamps, never had money to like walk into a store and buy things. Um, and so all of a sudden when, you know, I see more money than I ever knew what to deal with, it definitely, there was, you know, I never had a moment where I was like, oh shit, that's a lot of money because it was honestly something that I still never thought about. And what I mean is like, at that time, the way that I viewed success was like having a lot of friends. And because I had super severe social anxiety, never really had any friends. Also, like because of my environment, I thought that being successful means you're smart and you're intelligent. And I only define that to getting good grades at school, which I didn't have. Or maybe you're a great sports athlete. I never really moved for like the first 18 years of my life, unfortunately. Or maybe you're good with like ladies or something. I didn't have any of that. And so honestly, I still kind of felt myself as a, as a loser, as a failure. And that kind of really caused like, you know, cognitive dissonance kind of inside me of like, I reached kind of this unconscious definition of success, but it did not feel like success whatsoever. Mm. And it just made me way more confused. And it's like a lot of the times, I think if you have like a goal, if you have like a hope, even if you're in like a really bad position, you could just like keep grinding, keep doing the same thing after day. And then when you reach it and you realize it's not the actual answer and it's not the thing that saves you, quote unquote, you just get like really confused. And I know for me, that was the time in my life where I just kind of like stopped caring about things. And I kind of got hopeless, maybe even a bit nihilistic. And I just like, like I just stopped caring about things. And I remember when I was like 17, 18, I had this conversation with my sister and she kind of, she's my older sister. And she asked me like, Mark, what do you want to do? for like your, for the rest of your life. Like, what do you want to do in college? And I, and I remember just sitting there and I was like, I literally have no idea cause I don't care. And so I kind of like went through this period of just kind of realizing that that's a sham <laughs> that like, there's no, of course money is for sure important. And I think not having money can make you unhappy to, to a degree. But I think, you know, obviously after making a certain amount of money, it doesn't really do anything. And especially if you are, 
sort of a, I don't know what the word is, but maybe if you're like a mentally poor person, you're not really that healthy. You have a lot of problems that you're not really dealing with. Mm. And someone gives you a stack of bills. I mean, that's just going to go everywhere. Like that's just going to be fueled to bring you even further down. And so all in all, I'm grateful though that that happened because I think that's, that's the only way that that's given me the ability to be 22 years old and kind of have the success that I have today and then not post pictures on my Instagram with me, like with models or in front of cars, because I've just learned that I don't like that stuff doesn't really doesn't motivate me. It's not really something I'm interested in at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm glad I kind of ex- experienced the first version of success that I kind of feel like people are still trying to chase. But then once you reach it, I think you go through like this crazy journey of life of just like retracing your steps and trying to find out what it is for you. And I think probably the most confusing thing about this was that nobody around me was doing what I was doing. Nobody in my family, nobody in my friend group was making the level of money the way that I was doing it. And I just kind of felt like I was kind of all alone more than I already was at that time of like, I'm in new territory. And so like, honestly, after that, when I went to college, when I was 18, um, I remember, you know, kind of expanding my worldview a little bit. I remember like a a big moment for me was the first time I went to my first college party and um, I, I got drunk for the first time in my life. And that was actually the first time in my life where I realized I had social anxiety because previously up to that point, I had just thought that there was something like deep down just wrong with me. I thought that I was some sort of a moral failure because every time that I would try to talk to people, even though I consider myself a fairly social person, every time I would try to talk to people, my brain, my nervous system would go into this emergency fight or flight response to where my legs would start tapping, my throat would tighten up, my heartbeat would start beating at a thousand miles a second, I would start profusely sweating, my my thoughts would my mind would start to race. And that's literally like what what happened to me. Um, and so when I got intoxicated for the first time in my life, and that no longer happened because alcohol shuts down the part of your brain that factors in social judgment, I remember the next day. I kind of realized, I was like, holy crap. Like I, I never knew that I, that I had this much of a problem talking to people. And I remember just like Googling it and researching it and just kind of finding out that this is a real thing that a lot of people experience. And it's not the fact that, you know, it's, um, it's not the fact that, um, you know, there's something wrong with you per se, but it's just like, this is like a scientific neurological thing that is happening in your brain between different series of feedback loops. And so that one was a big one for me. But honestly, it's not like things got better from there. Because I remember when I found out that I had social anxiety. And I think when anybody becomes conscious of a problem for the first time, there's always like the two potential options, the two potential paths that you could go on. Like, should I try to learn more about this? Should I try to learn how to manage this? Should I kind of read books, talk to experts, figure this out so that I can be proactive about it in my life? But then there's the other option of don't do anything about it and try to sweep it under the rug, try to just take like the easiest way out. And so that's, that's option number two is exactly what I took. I took the quote unquote path of least resistance. And basically what that looked like for me was... Um, just leaning on a ton of different vices 
to kind of deal with this. Alcohol for sure, definitely a, a little bit of of drugs. But honestly, the my biggest vice was probably food. And I remember I would just like have these days where I would socially isolate myself and I would just order food from outside and I would just binge on a ton of different food. Next thing I know, I've gained like not the freshman 15, but I've gained like the freshman 75 and I'm like 220 pounds for the first time in my life. Um, How my tall are you, Mark? I'm 5'10". Got it. And... Um, and, uh, and, and, and the next thing I know, I, I get like depressed for the first time in my life. Mm. Um, I even get to a point in my life where I'm like suicidal for like a month. Uh, yeah. and so basically I just kind of have like what I call like just my version of rock bottom yeah. of me eventually getting to a point to where I realize the, the, not the necessarily the severity of my situation, but basically just realizing that I can keep going, going down this route with the amount of pain that I have and I'm probably going to become a statistic or I can just like literally flip 180 degrees and try to like blow up my life in a good way. And I mean, it's not like it was anything overnight, but it was eventually like a series of those steps that have led me like four or five years down the road today on this podcast with you. Got it, bro. Yeah. And again, thank (laughs) you for sharing all this. And and it's, it's so interesting. And I know you talk about this and I'm so glad that this is becoming a subject that is more mainstream now is the direct correlation between our food and our mental health. Because most of our neurotransmitters that you're talking about are all stored in our gut. So if you're constantly consuming toxic foods in the form of sugar, gluten, dairy, vegetable oils, well, Mm. that's going to, that's going to manifest into a lot of perpetual mental, uh, cognitive issues. And that can, that can take the form of anxiety, depression, you know, these, and and when you talk about mind body connection, it truly is this interconnected being and every input has an output. And I know, and I know when you were on, when you were on one of these suicide walks in, in the streets of Boston, right. Uh, you you found a Tim Ferriss podcast yeah. and, and that kind of helped show you the light because I know Tim Ferriss has also experienced depression and suicidal thoughts in his past when he was a college student too. So uh, you talked about how you at about age 18, you started to get proactive, right? And I know one of the first things that you did was change the food that you were consuming, right? What up fam, sorry to interrupt today's show, but this is really important to me because when I was a kid, my grandpa got Alzheimer's and I remember visiting him in Atlanta, Georgia, and he no longer remembered my name. And this experience really resonated with me. From that point forward, I knew I was gonna do everything in my power to preserve my brain health, my cognition, my focus, my memory. And that's why these shrooms are so powerful because they're all fruiting body extracts designed, designed to really boost your memory, cognition, focus, while also improving your immunity. And the beta glucans that are in there are what really drive your white blood cell count up and support a strong immune system. So whether this is for you, your parent, your grandparent, I really encourage you to take 
action and prioritize your brain health. And for a limited time, I have a super special offer for you. When you get the ultimate shrooms, you get a free ultimate elixir. Yes, you get a free ultimate elixir. This is 25 organic superfoods and adaptogens designed to aid your metabolism, your digestion, and create an alkaline and detoxified body. There's no more powerful way to start your day than with the ultimate elixir and the ultimate shrooms. So check this out. Go to liveultimate.com slash podcast slash live healthy, and you're going to get both of them for the price of one. Okay, it's time to make that commitment to your health, make that commitment to your wellness. Go to liveultimate.com slash podcast slash live healthy. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. So I, I love everything you said. And and yeah, I mean, I think the first thing for me is like when I was in the middle of this, um, I didn't really have the context and awareness to know that I was in the middle of this. You know, like there's that, there's that quote that says, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. And I was exactly in that frame. And so for me, I remember like the first moment of conscious awareness that I realized was the fact that I was overweight. Because I remember previously up to that point, I had never really stopped and looked at myself in the mirror. I was just sort of like in this trance of trying to deal with my emotions and pain with something that doesn't really, um, not necessarily doesn't work, but especially when you start talking about, you know, kind of putting in processed foods like, you know, vegetable oils and things that you mentioned, that makes it even worse. But that for me was like the first problem that I realized. I remember I had this moment where I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and I realized that my pants were just super tight. And I was like, man, I should probably figure out how to lose this weight. And so I kind of like went on this journey of just trying to understand health. And I mean, at first it was way more confusing because of the, you know, like the multi-billion dollar, you know, health and wellness industry that tries to sell you every kind of like detox and, and this and that and some stuff that is legit and a lot of stuff that is not really legitimate and whatnot. But yeah, eventually I did start to just like understand more about food aside from like, you know, calories in, calories out. Because I remember at that time, just my previous understanding was, Food is just something that you just kind of put in your mouth to satisfy your hunger, hunger because you have to. And I know if I eat too much food, then I'll gain weight. That was really my only understanding of, of food. But the moment when I just began to like read books about the science and I began to understand like, you know, different kinds of nutrients and minerals and fibers and fats perform different are like different vehicles for things like our hormones, our neurotransmitters. And these things impact way more in our life rather than just, you know, how we act and, and whatnot. And I remember for me, um, like just understanding that the food that you eat has an impact on your mood, which usually you can see pretty like in a short amount of time, it has a medium uh, amount of impact on like how you look then it has a, a very long lasting impact on just how you perform in like your everyday life. And I know for me, you know, I tried to like eat clean, you know, a hundred percent of the time or like 99% of the time. And I just know that every time that I am, you know, ch you know, choosing to sort of grab my fork and either, you know, grab, you know, a piece of broccoli or a brownie, I know I'm making sort of a long-term investment in my health 
and in my brain and in my mental health. But I mean, yeah, I mean, probably the biggest thing that I talk about in my book is what you just said about the gut. In the chapter, in the subsection of my book where I talk about this, I call it uh, first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And I talk about how exactly what you said of like 90 to 95% of our serotonin, which does a lot of different things in our body from regulate our mood to some aspects of our appetite to sexual desire to the biggest one for me is serotonin regulates how you function in social groups. And so social anxiety, that's, that's massive. And, and so when you begin to sort of take a look at this, you really do begin to take a look at how this is very much, or at least a, a big aspect of it is sort of like this biochemical equation that you can change the inputs, you can switch out the variables, you know, trial, trial and error experiment, and you'll get a different output. And I know for me, when I started to remove a lot of the processed foods in my diet, and I started to eat just a lot of uh, whole natural foods. And I remember when I did that, first off, I, I got a level of clarity that is not just a level of clarity, but it's almost like I kind of felt like the limitless guy where like just parts of my brain were unlocked. And I think a big part of that was I never ate healthy ever throughout my life. And so it definitely depends on the person. But that for me was a big unlock. And it's, it's especially a big unlock for your energy. And when you have that level of energy, then you just start like looking for like other things. Like then I started to like go outside for, for walks, which I had never really done before. And then I started to like run and then I started to go to the gym. And then, you know, once I started eating healthy and kind of moving my body, then it was much, much easier for me to go to sleep. And I remember throughout my life, I always, always struggled with sleep from not sleeping at all to even like bedwetting. And so when I finally began to like optimize my sleep and these other just like basic physiological things, then I, you know, had the energy to like start reading books and to start writing my thoughts down and then to start following the things that these books were saying. And so, yeah, I mean, it was definitely like this journey that I went on, but food was definitely sort of the first domino piece of that. And I'm, and I'm glad uh, it was because now kind of understanding everything that I know now, I definitely think that if your biochemistry is off, I definitely think that can cause problems for you. Even if you're, even if like your mindset is golden, even if, even if like, you, you know, you read great books, even if you spend time with like a lot of great supportive people. And so I'm really grateful. I kind of learned these lessons early on in my life. And, and, and the crazy thing to know too, is all this stuff is connected. And I remember the time where I began to experience um, some psychological trauma at an early age, which kind of put me in social anxiety. I remember at the same time that was happening, I also began to have different uh, physical health uh, conditions and symptoms arise. Things like asthma, ADD, issues with like my gastrointestinal system, appendix, insomnia, my bladder. And now like I understand that all these things are, are connected and I don't really suffer from those healthy conditions anymore now that I've kind of taken a uh, more holistic approach on it. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and I love that word holistic, right? Because you yeah. had a whole list of things wrong with you. And, and, and by simply making a couple adjustments that you were consistent with, Mark didn't do this overnight, right? Like it's a no. process. and and it takes consistent commitment. So, 
So when you change one input, now you have more energy. Now you can use that energy to go on walks, to do more learning, to connect with people. And, and, and now by creating those habits, right, it, it has that whole butterfly effect, which is so beautiful. Tell me a little bit, uh, Mark, I'm curious to know, have you ever exper- experimented with like plant medicines or any psychedelics or anything like that to maybe get into a shifted, elevated consciousness? Yeah. So the short answer to that is, is not really, but I have definitely um, not experimented with anything too hard, just definitely like cannabis, Stiva. Um, I've definitely gone through different phases of it. I think probably the first time I ever did it, it was probably the most impactful because it really did show me that um, kind of similar to like the experience that I talked about with like alcohol, it just made me understand that if you can change some of these chemical inputs, you could have a totally different experience on reality itself. And I think, you know, sort of talking about the psychoactive drugs, um, it's definitely a part of it. Um, but I have... I mean, I've had a lot of people on my show that have talked about it from uh, Aubrey Marcus to um, uh, Dr. Uh, Eagleman to um, a lot of people. And, um, and honestly, that's an area like I've, <laughs> I've been invited to go down to like, to like these different retreat centers. And um, I, I don't know whether it's shrooms or ayahuasca. And um, there's definitely a part of me that's definitely a little bit hesitant about it. Uh, just because I feel like, um, like what I've heard is that like, you have to be called to these things. Like there has to be a part of you that says that this could be like, like you should try to experiment with this. To me, I haven't really gotten that yet. And so I feel like now I'm just gonna probably wait off. But yeah, I mean, from everything that I've seen, I think that they can totally, totally change someone's perspective. Like I know that you have definitely been experimenting with like microdosing shrooms and things like that from what I've seen. I mean, I definitely have friends that, um, that have done that and whatnot, but, um, but yeah. And then I also think on the flip side of that is, um, I remember I heard this from, uh, I think it was Jordan Peterson. And he said that like, basically these plants are so powerful and they are so, in you know, many ways, sort of now science is coming out and we're beginning to understand more. But also we don't know about a lot of these things. But yet these things have been mentioned throughout traditions, cultures, religions. And uh, I think one thing that he said is like, don't, I forget his exact quote, but he said like, be careful of unearned power. And what he said, and I, I've, I've, had, I've had a lot of these conversations with my friends that do this stuff, is that um, a lot of the times you can have this experience that is triggered from a plant medicine, like you said, and then you come down and you sort of have to figure out how to integrate these things that you learned back in your everyday life. And I think what Jordan Peterson said is that there may be the real danger in these things is that people who are doing that without trying to integrate it and just sort of moving throughout their life with the insane amount of awareness that they have now because of this experience, but they're not actually doing anything with it. And, um, 
And yeah, yeah, I mean, so I think I think for sure it can be both positive and, and negative. But ultimately, I think that this is definitely going to be a, 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 a groundbreaking frontier, specifically for learning more about our psychology and our mind. And I think it can help a lot of people out who can't, you know, just switch up their diet and all of a sudden feel better. You know, so I think it's it'll be really helpful for uh, for people who haven't really found other treatments on like that extreme side of it. Too. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. And, and listen, anything can be used as a tool to either escape or elevate. You know, yeah. your like, and, and I know you speak about this too. Like your your phone, your social media can be a great uh, tool to elevate yourself, to elevate your relationships, to elevate your brand, or it can be an escape, and you can go down yeah. this 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 spiral of comparison and self sabotage, right? And, and I think what's really, what's really important with plant medicines of any type is that first of all, I encourage people to tap into nature's drugs, you know, tap into Mm. breath work, tap into Mm. movement, tap into healthy food and and integrate those things into your life consistently. And, and plant medicines, you know, are, are such a, a powerful tool that have been used again for thousands of years. Like in the case of ayahuasca, Machu Picchu was built by the Incans who were taking ayahuasca. And, um, and, and, and I actually first was introduced to it by Aubrey Marcus, which I, nice. and I know, and I know you've had him on, on your show. Um, yeah. and, and yeah, in regards to, in regards to like the science behind microdosing, it's really fascinating because I don't mm. know, were you ever on like antidepressants or anything like that? Uh, I was never on antidepressants, but I was, uh, prescribed like this anti-anxiety medication that uh yeah i mean we could get into that too and uh, the time like i remember in college i um when i kind of had this rock bottom i remember going to my school's doctor and i literally remember him I, i literally remember me being there for 10 minutes and him prescribing me a medicine uh i think it was an antidepressant or it was an antipsychotic or something like that I remember I went home and I Googled it and one of the side effects was killing yourself, was being suicidal. And I was just like, there's okay. no way I'm going to take that. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I know of a lot of people who have been in like really, really terrible situations, mentally speaking, and they have found um, an appropriate uh, antidepressant or, or some kind of drug and it's helped them a lot out. Then I also know people who it's totally destroyed their lives. And so that's like a whole other subject too that is super interesting to talk about. But I definitely think it depends on the context and stuff. But I'm for sorry, sure. I just totally interrupted you. No, 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 it's all good. And, and, and for sure, uh, for sure what you said before about integration, that is such a pivotal part to, to any of this, right? Because mm. when you're younger, like you said, when you were 18 and you got drunk for the first time, like in, in that whole college setting, there's zero intention being set before doing any of these things. It's like, Hey, let's go to a festival and do acid or do, or do ecstasy. And it's like, and that's okay. Like that's a stage of life. Right. But when you do these things with intention as, as a tool to learn and, and expand, right. in some capacity, it's so powerful. And what it does actually is if you're familiar with like SSRIs or antidepressants, those actually, turn off the amygdala part of your brain, which is responsible for feeling emotions 
And then when when you do something like microdosing, it actually heightens the the awareness in the amygdala. So you become much more aware of your ways of being. And a lot of mm. times what people that I found uh, come out of the experience, like realizing, oh my gosh, like I have so many things to be grateful for. And I've literally, like you said, that negativity bias, I've been focusing on this one bad relationship or this one bad aspect of my life that I need to work on and, and, and sabotaging yourself with that. So this is just another tool. Right. And, and I definitely encourage you when you do feel called, uh, to, to tap in, I think it's a valuable tool for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, uh, a couple of days ago, I had the chance of interviewing this guy named, uh, Dr. Daniel Amen. And he's fan of him. Yeah, no, he's, he's awesome. And, and he was basically telling me like, you know, like as a, um, as a, as a psychiatrist or as like any kind of healthcare practitioner, like you always want to go with the, the most effective, but least harmful potential substance. And the fact that, you know, the first line of defense when it comes to like how mental health is being treated in society is just like, Hey, here's a prescription. Like my, uh, I interviewed this other guy named uh, Max Lugavre, and he talks about this uh, this concept called uh, diagnose and adios, where a doctor, someone like that, will mm-hmm. diagnose you in like 10, 15 minutes, prescribe you, and then say, see you later. And the reality is, is that can be super, super dangerous. And he talks about, he talked to me, he says like, you know, there are many studies that show that, you know, taking some of these drugs is uh it's all placebo you know there's very little evidence to show that these actually work and also at that same time of what you said of it doesn't just kind of remove those you know maybe real intense negative emotions it just kind of dulls it all out both positive and negative and and yeah i mean that could be really really dangerous man so i think like honestly when just you know candidly when i think about this conversation and in our society this is probably what scares me the most because I've heard from a lot of people that once you get on these things, and especially if you've been on them for a while, there's no going off of it. And um, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but, um, but that to me is something that we don't have a solution for. So and I don't necessarily know if, if, um, if, this, if like the holistic treatments that we have today can be a substitute for someone who has been on these for their entire life. And so I don't, I don't know what that's like, but I definitely feel like that is probably the biggest part of this that scares me because like I have heard a lot of stories and I actually know people who have been on these things for years and they tried to stop them to wean off them and take them. And it literally totally messed up their, their psychology and they're just not Mm. the same person anymore. And so yeah, that to me is something that we need to figure out because to be quite honest, I don't think anybody um, knows the answers. And if, if psychedelics are the answer, then we need to like make it in a, um, we need to legitimize it. We need to yeah. make sure that this is like systematized in a yeah. way where you don't just like buy shrooms or, or acid or something from some dude in the corner. Like you actually see someone who has like been training their whole lives to do these kinds right. of things. And it's in some sort of a, in a safe setting too. And so, sure. yeah, I mean, that's a major part of the conversation too. Like I remember, I think one of the, well, I remember one of the events that kind of like steered me away from this stuff. Um, like in terms of plant medicine 
was, uh, I remember when I was in college and uh, I had like kind of already started my transformation and I was like one, two years on my journey. And I remember I was living in a house with some of my buddies and, uh, I remember we like, we went grocery shopping or something and we came back and there, like our neighbor, like we heard screams and shouts, um, like a couple streets while we were walking. And as we got closer, we realized that our neighbor was in this uh, hospital stretch bed and there were like a ton of cops. There was an ambulance and he kept on saying like the same thing over and over and over again. Mm. And we basically talked to our neighbors after and they were like, yeah, he, you know, he did, uh, I think it was LSD. He did acid. And like, who knows if that was cut with something, who knows if maybe he, you know, re-triggered a traumatic experience. Like, I think he kept on saying like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, and so it was like very clear, like this guy was, was breaking down. And so, I mean, obviously it's, it's very complicated, but, um, but I just definitely feel like, you know, to your point of, um, you know, especially with, with, with tools in general, but especially like super powerful tools, you know, you can wield them one way or another. Like, you know, your phone, for example, like the average person today who has a smartphone has more computing power in their pocket than the United States president did 25 years ago, which was considered the most powerful person on planet earth. And so when you're talking about that level of power, I think there has to be uh, the same amount of responsibility to deal with that power or else, you know, I think people are going to be falling into um, the wrong kinds of traps and pitfalls yeah. from both yeah. sides. For sure. And, and, and going back to going back to prescription drugs and medications, you know, you have, mm big pharma running this, right? And, and there's tens, hundreds of billions of dollars at stake. So their best interests aren't people actually healing, right? They want people on their, on their drugs and they want them on their drugs for their entire life. Like that's how that is set up right now. And, and what's unfortunate is in the fifties and sixties, there was so much research being done, uh, on, yeah. on, on microdosing and even macrodosing with, uh, and, and psychologists were involved and psychiatrists and there's so much efficacy and so much good progress being made. And then in 1970, Richard Nixon, uh, made, made, uh, psilocybin and LSD both, um, level four stage four narcotics along with heroin. Cause that's when, you know, heroin was seeing its big rise. And of course he grouped these together too, which made zero fucking sense, but that that's a conversation for an, that's a conversation for another day. I'm curious to know, Mark, because in a short time, you've been able to really uh, transform yourself. And you, you've also been able to build a network and, and build, uh, build an audience and also attract amazing people onto your show. So what are maybe one or two things that you can uh, share with us that have helped you get in touch with those people and, and, and form mm. relationships with them? Yeah, definitely. And, 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 uh, real quick before that, I think that's probably the real problem, right. As to why like these whole plant medicines are not being systematized. Like I remember I was reading this article where it basically said like this one pharma company was trying to take like the different, uh, properties of like cannabis and put it in a pill, but it just didn't work because like the plant has its own 
delivery vehicle versus how a pill works. And so, I mean, I don't necessarily know, but I think that might be a potential problem. It's like, you can't give someone a pill of this stuff every day in the way that you want to. But, um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the podcast, I'm really, really grateful. Um, you know, now my podcast is at a point where it's a lot easier to get in touch with a lot of these, um, like really great leaders and, and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing for me was really using LinkedIn as a platform for me to just reach out to people. Because what I learned is that, let's say someone who has 500,000 followers on Instagram, and it's kind of them just like interacting with like th- their fans or supporters or whatever, versus where on LinkedIn, they may only have like 30,000 followers. And they may have, say, like an assistant on their LinkedIn because it's more business. And so they have to keep that open for like speaking requests and, and, and consults and whatnot. And so, yeah, I mean, I found a lot of my early success like through the podcast via LinkedIn in terms of reaching out to people and getting responses. Like those were probably some of the first few guests um, that I landed were just through sending a, um, like a personalized connection request uh, on LinkedIn for sure. Um, I mean, it's funny, like the way that Aubrey Marcus actually came on my show was, um, I had this, uh, this, this great guy who had been listening to my podcast. He was a big time supporter for like several years. And what he'd do, he, he would literally message Aubrey Marcus every single day to the point where Aubrey eventually responded and he gave him, he gave him the email of like his real assistant and then he gave it to me. And then eventually through like months and months, we were able finally to do it. Um, and so, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy story in of itself. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other thing that I've realized too. It's like the best form of marketing is, is word of mouth. You know, like at the end of the day, what gets someone to really like, you know, take 45 minutes out of their life to listen to your podcast or, or to buy your thing or whatever is it's probably like a friend of them telling them like, dude, this was the best thing I've ever done. And so for me, I'm always trying to think about that from a, from a listener, from a person perspective of like, how do I just do that more? Because I know if I can do that, even though it may not necessarily be able to scale, then like that will grow my platform and, and my movement at a long-term basis. But yeah, mm-hmm. other than that, LinkedIn is a powerful tool. So, so, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm definitely, and I have been doing that. I've definitely been leveraging that. Uh, well, how long has your podcast been, been going on for? 2017. Wow. So you started at like when you were 19? I, I think I had just turned 20. Awesome. So guys, we're going to make sure we link to all of Mark's stuff. Cause I know he has to get out of here in a minute, but Mark, I want to make sure that we, we, we give you the chance to plug your book, bro, because I really believe this is going to help so many people in a similar situation to you in your past and, and, and give them the tools to really expand and, and, and change some of their ways of being. And again, um, it's always, it's always so nice to have somebody who's gone through the journey and no journey is the same, but I'm sure you experimented with a lot of things. Some things worked, some things didn't. And and I love that you put so much intention behind this book. So, so talk about that real quick and then we'll make sure to link it in the show notes. Yeah. So people can grab my book on uh, Amazon, probably the fastest place to get it. Right now is Barnes and Nobles because of the delayed Amazon shipments and whatnot. 
Um, and then it's going to be out on Audible, the audiobook, pretty soon. Just waiting on freaking approval processing. But, um, but yeah, Screw Being Shy, it's a book that um, you know, I really tried to make it the most practical um, science, but kind of like super simple to understand. And I talk a little bit about my story. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's really for people who would probably place themselves in the bucket of being a little bit too introverted, maybe a little bit too shy, uh, maybe even having social anxiety and, or like where they just, they can't feel like they can be themselves in front of other people, uh, like in social situations. Um, and then I've also had people who are like entrepreneurs and stuff like, uh, David Meltzer and Sharon Servatza and uh, some other people endorse my book as it just being a good uh, blueprint for like an entrepreneur that wants to figure out their mental health a little bit more. So that's what I would kind of say if you're, they're interested in that, whether you are young or old, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, hopefully Audible soon. So Are you going <laughs> to be reading you, the Audible? Yeah, I read it, man. And I actually had my friend interview me between chapters. If you ever listened to David Goggins' audiobook, we did the same thing. Amazing. And last thing, last thing. Uh, yes. Um, uh, how long was that process writing the book? Um, six months. Really? That's quick. All right. Yeah. Guys, 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 make sure to check out Mark's book, his podcast, all of the things connect with him on LinkedIn. This guy is doing special things. My dude, I'm so grateful that you took Thank the time. You. Appreciate you. Shout out Jason Campbell for connecting us. And guys, yes. you, are, you already know what Jason. time it is. You already know what time it is. It's time to elevate your consciousness and exchange energy. Peace. Boom. Podcast fam, thank you so much for listening until the end of the show. Your energy genuinely means the world. And the best way for me to continue improving this experience is for you to leave a review. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was from today's show. It genuinely means the world to me to get your feedback so I can continue evolving this experience. Your word of mouth is my oxygen. Thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait for next episode.